0: We'll be looking at Numbers chapter 15, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, fourth book of the Bible. And we'll be on chapter 15 and we'll be looking at verses 34 to 40. You know, when I was a young fellow, I I had a terrible memory. It has got worse, of course, but I used to tie a knot in my hanky. But I wanted to remember things. People use tissues nowadays so they can't tie <coughs> knots and tissues. But you know, you tied a knot in your hanky and then you shoved it in your pocket and then eventually you took it out and you couldn't remember why you tied the knot in the hanky. But <coughs> that was the that people used to do things like that. You know, chapter fifteen in Numbers is a kind of parenthesis. We've been going through numbers and the, the journey of the children of Israel through the, the wilderness. But then we come to chapter 15. And they had turned their backs on going into the into the promised land. And then chapter 15 comes as God's telling them what they will do. And how they will worship within the promised land. Even though they haven't got into it yet. It's looking into the future. And then the, at the end we come to this bit uh, about the, the fringes on their garments. And then in 16... We go back to the story of their journeys through the wilderness. You know, they were going through the, this land which was very difficult, but you know they, they made it more difficult themselves. Because of their unbelief and because they were doing things which are contrary to God's will, and because they were hard-headed and stubborn, They made the journey more difficult for themselves. It wasn't meant to be a difficult journey. God wanted them to get to the promised land. And they were God's chosen people. He had brought them out of slavery. And he had brought them miraculously out of Egypt. And he had a wonderful land in store for them. But it was just like you and me, isn't it? Where we make life difficult we make our Christian life so difficult we stray away from God we're headstrong we disobey him we dishonor God and his name and his word we make heavy weather of living the Christian life and it is because we are headstrong Stubborn. You know, in in scripture, animals are used to describe the the state of people. I suppose the most the the most common one is sheep. Sheep. Remember that little chorus we used to have? When we were running a youth club a while back, holiday club, we had a little chorus we sang. I am a sheep ba ba and I like to be well fed. But like a sheep, Baba, I'm a simple in the head. I go astray most every day. Oh, what a problem I must be. I'm glad I have the good shepherd looking after me. We stray like sheep. Have you got the good shepherd looking after you? If you've asked him to be your shepherd, if you've asked the good shepherd, You know the wonderful thing, he knows you by name. That's the great thing, he knows us by name. And then Israel, these people who were wandering through the wilderness, God describes them elsewhere. He says, Israel slides back like a backsliding heifer. Now, we have at least one farmer here with us this morning. Have you ever tried to direct a bunch of uh, young heifers along a certain path? it's very difficult they're headstrong they go in the way they want to go they get down into, into mucky places and they t- try to get out and they, they backslide down into the muck and that's what God says Israel was like like heifers who are going their own way headstrong sliding back into mucky places instead of going the way the, the, the farmer wants them to go Then those of us, who those of the people in, in Israel's day who were supposed to be shepherds, who were supposed to be guiding the people, who were supposed to be leading them along, they're described as something else. They're described as dumb dogs and greedy dogs. So we have sheep and heifers and dogs. It says in Isaiah 56, 10 and 11, His watchmen are blind, they are ignorant, they are all dumb dogs. They cannot bark. Sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. Yea, they are greedy dogs which can never have enough. And they are shepherds that cannot understand. They all look to their own way. Everyone for his gain from his quarter. You see, they were so busy looking after themselves. They didn't warn the people about what was going wrong. You know, we had a couple of Labradors years ago. We had Sultan and Sheba. And Sheba was like one of these dumb dogs. She lay around. Anything, any food within about half a mile she could find it. She slept around. And Sultan, he barked. He was a watchdog. He, if anything was coming up the lane, he knew about it. He barked all the time. But she didn't. I remember one time actually, Sultan went on holidays to Rosemary Father and Sheba changed she realised her responsibility and she became aggressive she became a doubt that we have to realise our responsibility are we we prepared to lie back and just let everything flow over us if we see something happening that isn't right are we prepared to stand up for the word of God or are are we prepared like Sheba just to lie back and let it all pass over let somebody else do it Sultan was there let him do it my job is to sleep and enjoy myself. And that's the trouble nowadays with Christians. We're not prepared to stand up and say what we believe. David said that if you have something important to say, he said, stand up and say it. And that's that's right. And if you haven't, well then you should start looking to see what's wrong with yourself perhaps. Just like us these these people, weren't they? Straying and wandering sheep, stubborn and backsliding heifers. Blind, ignorant, greedy, dumb dogs. But let's move on. Let's go back to the passage we said we were going to to look at. In Numbers. Numbers 15, verse 37. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and bid them that they make them fringes in the borders of their garments throughout their generations, and that they put upon the fringe of the borders a ribbon of blue and it shall be unto you for a fringe that ye may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them and that ye seek not after your own heart and your own eyes after which ye used to do go a whoring that ye may remember and do all my commandments and be holy unto your God I am the Lord your God which brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God, I am the Lord your God. How does God speak to Moses? How does God speak to us these days? You know, we read that quite often in the Bible. The Lord said unto Moses, and the Lord said unto Aaron, and the Lord said, oh, How does God speak to you today? Well, one way is through his word. As we read his word day by day, he'd speak to us through his word you know David in the Psalm 119 I don't know whether you have ever read the whole of 100, Psalm 119 but every verse every verse in Psalm 119 speaks of the word or the commandment or the law of God now if you ask somebody to write all those verses and in every verse you were to say something about the word of God or the commandment of the Lord or the it's impossible but every verse in that Psalm refers to God's word and look this one Psalm 119 open thou mine eyes that i may behold wondrous things out of thy law Oh when we sit down to read the bible that's the, that's the prayer we should have open thou our eyes lord that we we'll see something wonderful out of your word because this isn't just an ordinary book it's a living book this is the word of god and he is prepared to speak to us daily through his word as we read it open thou mine eyes that i may behold wondrous things out of thy law. And we believe that God will speak to us that way. It goes on to say, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It's a lamp. It's a lamp that shows us where to put our feet, but it also is a light which shows us the way. So that we can see where we're going day by day, but also it lightens up the the path ahead of us. It's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto my path. And then, in verses 38 to 41, we have the message that God gave to Moses on this particular occasion. And he says, I want you to put fringes on the borders of your garment. Now, the garments on which these fringes were put were apparently made of either linen or wool. They weren't mixed, incidentally. There was a law which said, you know, if I look at my suit, it's probably a mixture of wool and polyester or something. And, And... A mixture of this and that. But Israelites were not allowed to mix things in their garments. They weren't allowed to mix linen and wool together. That that seems a bit odd. But it was a picture. It was a picture that God was saying to those people. I don't want you to mix anything. I don't want you to mix the holy things in your life with the profane things in your life. And that was just like a little parable to them don't mix things and you know Christians are inclined to mix we mix one foot in the world and we do something on one day and then the next day we try to be all for God we can't mix things like that he says I want you to be separate but this garment there was, was, was never to be a mixture it was forbidden by law there was a law about it in scripture for the Israelites that was the outer garment consisted of a square a bit like an Irish shawl or a Scottish shawl and it, it had various uses it could be used uh, to wrap around the body and had a girdle and then it could be used to, to cover the head it, it was used actually by the poor people as what they put over them as a blanket at night time and there was a law in Exodus and it said in Exodus 22 and verse 26 and 27 if, you, if somebody owes you money and you say well I, I want you to, to pay me well, he said, I, I can't pay you to, to, today. Well, give me something so that I know that you'll pay me. And he said, I'll take, your, I'll take that garment. I'll take that coat, that garment you're wearing. And, and when, you, when you bring the money, I'll give it back to you. But you know what the law said? If you do that, you have to give it back before the sun goes down at night. Because he used it to keep himself warm at night time. God said, you can't, you can't deprive a man of that. Uh, at night time, you have to give him his coat back before the sun goes down, so it was used for various things, but in any case, he says what the, the, the message here is, of this garment, usually, and it seems to have doubts about this, but it, it had four corners, and on the four corners you were to put a tassel, a tassel, you know what a tassel, is? you get them on cushions these days, there won't be any tassels in this room, they're no all plastic, but a tassel was to hang down out of the corner and then the, the, some people think the tassel was white and then to keep it nice and tight it was wrapped with a ribbon of bright blue or purple so that when you wore this t- thing these tassels and the four corners were hanging down and this wasn't something which was only going to be done for a year or two this was to every time Right throughout all the generations, the Jews, on these outer garments, had these tassels. And they were wrapped with this blue ribbon. The four corners were to have these, what they called, fringes, and they hung down. Now what was the purpose of these? They weren't just for ornament, they weren't just to make the thing look pretty. They they had a distinct reason for these four tassels. Now I, at the start, I tied a knot in my hanky. And that's to remind me to do something, wasn't it? Well, that's what these tassels were for. They were to remind the people about four or five distinct and important things. And here they are. And you'll see them in those verses. That ye may look upon it... And remember all the commandments of the Lord to do them. Oh yes, I put on my coat, the outer garment this morning. I looked up. The blue tassels in the end. I have to remember to do what God commanded me. And they had all the commandments in the Old Testament. You know, I was just thinking about this this morning before I came out. I wonder how many people can repeat the Ten Commandments these days. I'd say very, very few. They might get one or two. But the Israelites, when they wore this thing, they were to remember the commandments that God had commanded them. And we should remember daily what God wants of us in our lives. And then it said, the next thing was that you were to seek not after your own heart and your own eyes. Thou shalt not covet that was one of the commandments. That you you know you see something and you covet it. And you try to get it. Don't follow the things that you want from your own heart or your own eyes. That's what it's saying. And when he saw these tassels, that was another thing he was to remember. Not to covet things. Not to do things that you want to do. But to please God. Then it says that ye may remember. And do all my commandments And be holy unto your God. Be holy unto God. And that doesn't mean to be sort of pious and all the rest of it. It means to be set apart from the others. The things of the world. That's what it means. When people look at you, do they see you as something different or do they see you like the rest of them? Used to say, don't, you know, don't be a banana like all the rest of the bunch. You want to be different. You want to be different. God says I want you set apart for my use. That's what being holy means. Set apart. Distinct. The people will see you and look at you and see that you're different. And then it says in verse 41. It says it will remind you who I am. God's saying. It will remind you who I am. I am the Lord your God which brought you out of the land of Egypt. Oh yes, he said, I have delivered you, I've redeemed you, I've brought you out of the land of Egypt. When you wear these tassels, that's another thing you have to remember. And as we read our Bible and as we go about our day, that we should remember that we have been redeemed by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we have been brought out of the domain of Satan and we are now in the kingdom of light. Out of the kingdom of darkness into light remember it and thank God for it and that's what they were to do those things every time they saw the tassels walking behind somebody and look at his tassels oh you remember those things well how did it all pan out how how did it work How, how successful was this well let's go to the New Testament to Matthew the first book in the New Testament and chapter twenty-three, and Jesus is speaking, and Jesus is speaking to the multitude. There were crowds. There were always crowds around Jesus. You know, sometimes it said that they didn't even have time to eat. We think we're bad. We think we're busy these days. Yeah. Jesus and his disciples sometimes didn't. They couldn't get away from the crowds. They were always there. Even when he went into some houses. The chaps even took the roof off the house. To let somebody down to, to, to be healed by him. Because they couldn't get in through the front door. There was too many people outside. And Jesus was speaking to the crowds. And in amongst the crowds. Were some of these men. Who were called Pharisees. And scribes. And they were the holy men. And they, Jesus started speaking. And. You know, he didn't speak... The one thing about Jesus... He didn't speak behind people's backs. He didn't sort of say things... That he didn't mind. He said them straight to the people that mattered. He didn't go round... We have all these things nowadays... That we have these courses which are non-confrontational. Jesus confronted people. That was his... He says, I am here... I'm going to divide families some people are going to believe me and some people are not going to believe me and they're going to be, families are going to be broken up because of me I'm going to, I, I, he said that's the way it is I'm going to confront people with the claims of the gospel and so he started and he said all the scribes and the Pharisees he says they sit in Moses seat it doesn't mean that Moses had a seat and they were sitting in the seat. No, he said that what it was, these people are the ones who are the teachers of the law. And you have to listen to them. goes on to say that. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe. They're teaching you the law, they're the teachers of the law. Listen to them. But, and do it, he said, but... Do not ye, after their works, for they say and do not, I said the trouble with these scribes and pharisees they 're coming and they 're telling you what to do, but they don't do it themselves don't do it, listen to what they say and do it, but don't copy them because they 're not practicing what they preach. I remember <laughs> Going back years ago, we had a Bible class in the YM in Dublin, and it, it, we, there was a chorus in the chorus, but we never sang it. Practice what you preach, do the things you teach, and you'll surely reach the others all around. And we never we never learned, but we used to get, if sometimes you'd get a stranger just is coming in to speak to us, and he'd, he'd be all excited, and he'd say, any choruses you'd like to sing, and we'd always shout this one out. And the poor man, you know, practice what you preach, the things you teach. And then you'll surely reach the others all around. Someday, one day, actually, somebody told it to us, uh, and we sang it. But the trouble is, lots of people don't practice what they preach. They say one thing and do another, and that was the trouble with the Pharisees. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be bor- borne, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move one of their fingers. You know, we say expressions these days. We we have expressions which we say. And they're in the Bible. Oh, he wouldn't lift a finger to help me. That's what Jesus was saying here. These men, they say you have to do this to keep the law. You have heavy burdens you have to do. You have to do this and you have to do that. But they wouldn't do it themselves. And look. But all their works they do for to be seen of men they make broad their phylacteries. What on earth is that? They make broad their phylacteries. Well I'll tell you what it is. The Jews, if you ever see a photograph sometimes or a picture of a very devout Jew sometimes you'll see he has like a little box on his head and a band around his head and a little box here and sometimes on their ha- on their arm they 'll have a little box on a band, and in that little box is written down in parchment on parchment some verses of scripture and there's a verse in in Deuteronomy which says, "Write these things on your doorposts, put them on your head and on your arms, have the word of God constantly, and they do it." Literally, they, they put them in this little box on their head and they strap it round and they have it on their arms. Because God wants the Word of God in our heads and in our hearts. And they do this as a little parable, as a little picture of what they believe God wants them to do. They have the Word of God here and in this little box on their head and then on the little box on their arm. A phylactery. But what... You know, if you and I were doing it, they would try and keep that as small as possible. But these Pharisees, to show how holy they were, they made these little boxes big. So the people would say, He must be very holy. That box is so big. That's what Jesus meant. And the Pharisees were sitting there listening to this. I'm sure they wondered. I'm sure they didn't sit very comfortably. You know, it used to say in that mother's, Listen, are you sitting comfortably? Then I'd begin. You know, I don't think these men were sitting very comfortably listening to Jesus. But he goes on and he says, and enlarge the borders of their garments. They enlarge the borders. All these little tassels, which were about three or four fingers wide, they made them big and long because they wanted people to think they were particularly holy. And instead of thinking about God, These tassels making people think all about God and his commandments. These people were putting these tassels to make the people think about them. How holy they were. How good they were. How religious they were. Oh, you see, they hadn't got the word of God in their heart. They had it in their heads. The whole thing had been twisted around by these Pharisees. Instead of thinking about God, they were thinking about themselves. And Jesus goes on and he says they love the best seats at, at any of this if there's a party if there's a big dinner they like to be up on the front row and he, oh he says he, whoever's going to be the greatest someday they're going to get a terrible shock they're going to be the least and he he's very cross with these Pharisees Because they have twisted the whole thing around. Instead of being something which was to honor God. They're trying to make it into something to honor them. Practice what you preach is what he's really saying. They make the fringes long. Instead of something small just to remind them about God. And look at verses 12. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. And he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. The exact opposite of the Pharisees. But he says. Woe unto you Pharisees and scribes. Hypocrites. For ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For ye neither go in yourselves. Neither suffer ye them. That entering. To go in. That are entering. He says you're, you're a stumbling block. You're a stumbling block to people. Instead of pointing the way to God. You're pointing to yourselves. And you know the the prophet when he was writing in Jeremiah. He said exactly the same things to the prophets in those days. He says woe unto the pastors that destroy, destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture. Woe unto those people. We need to be careful that we're always pointing the way to God. We must declare God's word. And point to the Lord Jesus Christ as the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. Just very quickly, very quickly, we look at another instance of this fringe at the bottom. And if we look at Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke chapter 8 and verse 41. We have a story here. And I'll tell you the story rather than reading it. Luke chapter 8 and verse 41 is the, the, the point we'll be looking at. Jesus came into this town. And in that town there were two families. And going back 12 years before this story took place, there were two families. And one family, the, the, the man and his wife had a little baby girl was born. And she was born and they were excited. And she was a lovely little girl. And she was healthy and strong. And she was the apple of their eye. They loved her. She was something very special. And then, in another house, in another street, a woman took ill. And she got so ill, she went to doctor's she wasted all her money on different doctors and uh, physicians and she got no better and the illness she had caused her to be separated she wasn't able to go and worship in church she was separated from the the rest of the people she was an outcast and now it was 12 years later and Jesus was was coming through the town And the little girl took ill. She was 12 years old. And she took ill. And she was dying. And the mother and the father. They said what will we do. And they said Jesus is coming to the town. We will go and try and get Jesus. To come and heal the little girl. The woman. She was in our house. And she was at her wits end. And she heard that Jesus was coming to the town. And she says, I will go, and I will see if Jesus will heal me. But people knew her. didn't want to be near her. And she said, I will go quietly. And there was a crowd around Jesus. And, and they, they were all trying to get near to Jesus. And she pushed away through the crowd. And she said, if only I can just touch one of these tassels, one of these fringes. If I can just touch that, I'm sure I'd be healed. She crept and pushed away through the crowd. And she put out her hand. And she touched the, one of these tassels. Immediately, she realized that she was healed. Amazing. And then... Jesus stopped. And he turned to Peter and the disciples. And he said, who touched me? <laughs> Peter said, come off it. He said, who touched me? The crowd are pushing in from every side. They're all touching you. No, Jesus said, somebody, somebody touched me. He knew that somebody had touched him in faith. Because you realize some something had gone out of him some of his healing strength had gone out to someone and he turned around and this poor woman who, oh she must have been so embarrassed but Jesus said who touched me? she said I did. he said go in peace your faith has made you whole and she was healed She touched one of these fringes. She touched the hem of his garment, the hem. Well, one of these fringes, the same word as the hem. And she was healed. Just finishing the story, just at that moment, the, the father of the little girl came up and said, a, a servant, one of his servants came and said, Don't worry the master anymore. The little girl's dead. Jesus turned to him and said, Have faith. Believe me. Of course he went down to the house. And he put all the people out. And he brought the little girl back to life again. She was 12. After 12 years those two things happened. Have you come today with a burden. Or or, or something heavy. That you need Jesus to touch you. Do you feel you need to be cleansed. Do you need his touch to, 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 to refresh you this morning. Reach out like that woman in faith. And touch him. Ask him. To take away the burden of your your sin and your stain. And respond as this woman did. Final closing. She only touched the hem of his garment. As to his side she stole. Around the crowd that gathered around him. And straightway she was whole. She came in fear and trembling before him she knew her Lord had come she felt that from him virtue had healed her the mighty deed was done he turned with daughter be of good comfort thy faith hath made thee whole and peace that passeth all understanding with gladness filled her soul O oh, touch the hem of his garment and thou too shalt be free his saving power this very hour shall give new life to thee Amen